It remains an unfortunate fact of life that money can't buy happiness. It can, however, buy you a new shirt, magnet, sticker, mug, or journal featuring exclusive designs related to this podcast. By visiting a historyofjapan.threadless.com and buying some of the items featured there, you get yourself something beautiful and help support this podcast at the same time. Again, that's a historyofjapan.threadless.com. Visit the store today. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 4, Episode 8, Emperor Shomu's Big Moves. In the last episode, we focused on the events immediately surrounding Fujiwara Hirotsugu's rebellion on Kyushu. While Ono Azumahito was gathering his army to put down the Confederacy of the Discontented, the emperor was far from idle. Shortly after his Daishogun left the capital, Shomu Tenno announced his intention to do the same. He embarked upon a tour of the eastern provinces, visiting many settlements and villages throughout the eastern part of Kansai, and even some of the western portions of Chubu, like Mino province. Many historians infer from this sudden desire to embark on an extended vacation outside of the confines of the capital as a sign that Emperor Shomu feared that Fujiwara Hirotsugu may not have been the only dissatisfied kuge who might take up arms. He also may have overestimated the Kyushu Rebellion's chances of victory and subsequent armed march upon the seat of government. Whatever his motivations, he left Heijo-kyo in mid-November with his entourage, just as Ono Azumahito was subduing the villages in northern Buzen province and preparing to face the rebel Hirotsugu. I'm inclined to believe this was all part of a larger quest on Shomu Tenno's part to reflect upon what he could do to improve his thus far tumultuous reign. Under his watch, Prince Nagaya had been killed in a way that most now considered unjust. Smallpox had killed millions of his subjects while also tanking Japan's already rickety economy, and now a kuge from a previously trustworthy and loyal family was taking up arms against him. It is likely that Emperor Shomu was familiar with his Chinese history, and thus concluded that he must be to blame for these many calamities. As he surveyed the villages and towns throughout the provinces to the immediate east of Heijo-kyo, Emperor Shomu saw with his own eyes the wretched state of his people. The best estimates tell us that somewhere between one-quarter and one-third of Japan's population was killed by smallpox, and many others died later due to the famines and other shortages that inevitably followed. Shomuten no responded by leaning heavily into Buddhism, something we've already seen demonstrated in his sponsorship of the new Grand Temple, which would later be named Todaiji. He returned to Heijo-kyo in January of 741, long after he received word of Hirotsugu's defeat and subsequent execution. The rebels who had been brought back to the capital were dealt with using a variety of punishments. 
According to the records, there were around 270 people who were sentenced for their role in the rebellion. Most likely they were just the ringleaders of the uprising. Most were sentenced to flogging, but 16 were beheaded. Five had their lands confiscated, 47 forcibly relocated, and 32 imprisoned. Many of those exiled were brothers of Hirotsugu who may or may not have actually provided him any support. The Shikike branch of the Fujiwara clan was not, at this point, entirely extinct, but it would be many years before they would be trusted with high office within the Daijo Khan. Thus, the matter of rebellion was brought to a close, and Emperor Shomu could focus on his new agenda for reviving his nation. On January 10th, 742, just four days after he returned to Heijou-kyo, Shomu Tenno announced that the imperial court would relocate to a new capital. This was no doubt a surprising edict that confused many kuge. You'll recall that the custom of relocating the capital was a defining aspect of the Asuka period, and that it was generally only done when a sovereign had died. I think it's safe to assume that Emperor Shomu needed a fresh start. And which city would receive the honor of serving as Japan's new national capital? None other than a little town of Kuni, located due north of Heijou-kyo. In what must be the largest coincidence in the history of coincidences, the town of Kuni just happened to be located in an area where Tachibana Moroe enjoyed a heavy amount of influence because his family owned much of its land. Okay, obviously I'm having a bit of fun here, but Moroe was certainly at least as invested in preventing future rebellions as Emperor Shomu, if not more so, and the rising Tachibana did not have the impressive pedigree found in the Fujiwara or Otomo clans. If he wanted his son to inherit his office, he needed to ensure that his tenure as Sadaijin was defined by something more than crass opportunism and reactionary rebellion. The location of Kuni, now called Kuni-kyo, was somewhat more mountainous than Heijou-kyo, which may have been a selling point for Emperor Shomu. Mountainous dwellings are easier to build defensive fortifications around, and certainly Shomu Tenno would have been mindful of the potential need for a capital capable of defense. Heijou-kyo, being located on a wide plain, would have been more difficult to practically fortify. While it is easy to imagine that Tachibana Moroe was cynically manipulating Emperor Shomu into building the capital where the Sadaijin had the benefit of local influence, it seems reasonable to assume that by this point Emperor Shomu felt that Moroe was one of the few ministers he could really trust. He had just essentially fought a war in defense of Moroe's appointments, Kibimakibi and Gembo, and was thus politically invested in the upstart's future, whether he wanted to be or not. The town of Kuni was by no means ready to take up the mantle of national capital in 741, and needed extensive construction to provide the court with a daigokuden, or palace, as well as temples, housing for the kuge, 
and everything else necessary for a functioning capital. The palace was built first, but it would be some years before the capital was actually ready for Shoumu Tenno to take up residence, especially as the workforce was reduced so drastically by the recent epidemic. 741 was also the year Emperor Shoumu called for the creation of a vast network of provincial Buddhist temples. This was likely an attempt to appease the spirit world into overlooking whatever shortcomings it saw in him, which would have caused the disasters in recent years, and it was also a way of ensuring that future responses to disasters could be more easily put into action. Reading sutras aloud or transcribing copies of them were both considered good, pious acts that could assuage angry spirits, so having more temples with which to execute these measures was just good preparation. In 743, the emperor issued an edict authorizing the creation of a daibutsu. This particular gigantic Buddha statue would be housed at Todaiji, at the time named Kinshosenji, and was yet another appeal to divine powers to bless his reign. While there had not been another resurgence of smallpox, nor any rebellions in the meantime, pressure was growing on Shoumuten no to return to Heijou-kyo and redesignate it as the capital. The economy, as well, had not yet come close to recovering from the depopulation from the epidemic, and fields were being reclaimed by nature as they had remained unworked for years. In response to the issue of famine and shortage in general, the court issued a new law in 743 which radically altered the fabric of Japanese society. We've discussed previously how the imperial court sought to spur land cultivation by exempting new fields from taxation for three generations. This new law, called Konden Einen Shizai in Japanese, expanded on this previous policy by declaring that new cultivation fields would be exempted from imperial taxation permanently. While this law did help to spur more land reclamation by farmers, it also acted like a loose thread on a knit sweater which, when pulled too hard, causes the entire garment to come unraveled. The functions of government were made possible by the resources acquired through tax tributes, as were the lavish lifestyles of the Kuge and the imperial family as well. By creating a pathway through which people might acquire an unlimited amount of productive land without ever giving a portion toward the imperial court was an extreme and short-sighted solution which only served to create larger problems in the future than those it sought to resolve in the present. The court must have been desperate indeed to adopt such a radical and far-reaching policy. Likely they feared the possibility of another uprising like Hirotsugu's more than they worried about the Treasury Department's bottom line. In 744, Emperor Shoumu could no longer ignore the protests of other Kuge that Kuni-kyo was not a suitable capital. Likely many of the more traditional power brokers like the Otomo and the Abe clans disliked how much Tachibana Moroe's influence would be expanded by the move, and the emperor ordered a halt to construction 
and seemingly attempted to find a compromise. Rather than return to Heijou-kyo, where he apparently still felt unsafe, he ordered that the new capital would reside in a place which had formerly served as a capital, the bustling trade city of Naniwa. Shortly thereafter, he announced that an entirely new capital would be built around the estate he owned called Shigaraki, which would be renamed Shigaraki-kyo. While Shomutenno vacillated over the location of the capital to a frankly comic degree, another development at court deserves some of our attention here. The two eldest sons of Fujiwara Muchimaro were making successful inroads with key members of the imperial family. Fujiwara's Toyonari and Nakamaro, respectively, had been promoted in the rapid whirlwind that followed the epidemic that took their father's life. Nakamaro appears to have gained the trust and support of Empress Komyo, Shomutenno's wife, as well as Crown Princess Abe. Princess Abe had been promoted to Crown Princess, the designated heir, shortly after the smallpox epidemic had passed in 738. She took her appointment seriously and became heavily involved in political affairs, and her mother, Empress Komyo, favored and supported Fujiwara Nakamaro as he gained ranks and better appointments. In 741, he had been appointed to the Ministry of the People's Affairs, but in 743, he was promoted to the post of Sangi and given a seat on the Minor Council. He enjoyed the favor of Empress Komyo and her daughter, Crown Princess Abe, both of whom were determined to secure the succession for the princess. While Shomutenno did not have any sons by his official empress, one of his lower-ranking wives birthed a son in 728. It seems likely that Empress Komyo saw an opportunity in 738, amid the fear of smallpox bringing sudden random death into the court, and used the emperor's fear to have Princess Abe named as the official heir. Every year that passed, however, the threat that young Prince Asaka, who would have been only 10 years old in 738, would manage to attract enough influential and ambitious Kuge to snatch the crown from Princess Abe's head. According to the official records, Prince Asaka was a sickly child, not surprising, given that Emperor Shomu likewise had a reputation for attracting illness, and in 744, when he was 16, he died. The official cause of his death was a disease called beriberi, which is caused by a deficiency of vitamin B1, or thiamine. Indeed, when it becomes severe, beriberi can lead to heart failure, and it is by all accounts a very miserable and painful disease. Thus the way was made clear for Crown Princess Abe to remain the heir apparent when the young prince died of a natural cause. Or was it murder? Yes, it's time again to play everyone's favorite game. Was this person assassinated? The answer this time, in the opinion of this humble podcaster, is maybe. Emperor Shomu's sickly reputation and that of his son 
certainly bolster the case against this being anything other than an unfortunate child succumbing to an indifferent ailment. It certainly provides just enough plausible deniability to give me pause before declaring with any confidence that Fujiwara Nakamaro had a direct hand in his death. However, the timing is really just too suspicious for me to declare conversely that it's an unfounded conspiracy. The Kuge were likely starting to worry that Emperor Shomu was becoming unhinged to the point of instability, with his constantly moving the capital and bankrupting the states to build a new Buddhist monument every other week, it would make sense that some might start entertaining the young Prince Asaka and dreaming about how they might be promoted and enriched by his future tenure on the Chrysanthemum throne. I don't think we can say for certain that Nakamaro poisoned the young man, but I also don't think we can really rule it out. Later in 745, after unsuccessfully trying to convince the court to construct a brand new capital around his estate in Shigaraki, Emperor Shomu agreed to move the capital back to Heijou-kyo, which would remain the official capital beyond the end of his reign. He continued to devote himself to Buddhism and perform his ceremonial duties as Tenno for four more years. 745 was also the year that Fujiwara Nakamaro used his increasing influence and favor with the Empress and the Crown Princess to at last deal with a long-time foe of the Fujiwara clan. The priest Gembo, who had allegedly healed Emperor Shomu's mother and who had plotted to have Hirotsugu removed to Kyushu, was himself soft-banished to Dazaifu. In addition to being a demotion and a drastic loss of influence, this maneuver caused Gambo to fall into depression. In 746, he died, and it was widely whispered that this death was the revenge of the ghost of Fujiwara Hirotsugu, who found a way to remove Gambo from the government by acting from beyond the grave. Thus, another set of legends around a vengeful spirit began to take shape. 746 was also the year that Fujiwara Nakamaro was promoted to the Ministry of Ceremonial Affairs, a popular destination for ambitious Fujiwaras climbing the Yamato Cursus Honorum toward higher office. This particular bureaucracy, you may recall, dealt with promotions and demotions of rank and office, and the various kuge who served at court had valid reasons to stay within the good graces of those who worked there. In 749, Emperor Shomu called for the court to make an official procession to Todaiji Temple, where the daibutsu he had commissioned in 743 was nearing completion. All of the kuge and his entire family attended the procession and marched down the avenues of Heijou-kyo, or were carried in palanquins. When they arrived at the temple, the emperor walked inside and presented himself before the great statue and proclaimed himself a slave to the three treasures, which are Buddhism, the sutras, and the priesthood. It is possible that he did this without informing anyone in the court beforehand, and I will admit it amuses me to imagine the stunned faces of the various nobles and aristocrats as they realized that the emperor was announcing a rather sudden retirement.
Shomuten no shaved his head and took orders as a Buddhist monk, becoming the first male retired emperor, or Daijo Tenno. Succession passed to his daughter, Crown Princess Abe, who was remembered as Empress Koken. Emperor Shomu was sovereign of Japan during some of the nation's most tumultuous years, surviving a court leadership scandal, a smallpox epidemic, a rebellion, and ultimately tried to escape these many troubles through religious devotion. While his reign was tumultuous, it's hard to see the man himself as anything other than a sovereign trying desperately to find solutions to problems which he did not properly understand. He reigned for 25 years. With the elevation of Empress Kōken came new opportunities for Fujiwara Nakamaro, as well as his brothers and many cousins, to be of use to the new sovereign. Next time, we will discuss the fate of the Tachibana clan, whose meteoric rise to power would now be challenged by a resurgence of the Fujiwara. (laughs) 